The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to our guest, Nicole Webb, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Wealth Enhancement Group. So everybody is trying to discount what the Fed is going to do, Nicole. And we had the former New York Bank of uh, President, uh, Bill Dudley, say, now the Fed has talked the talk. Let's see them walk the walk. Uh, do you think they will? I, I suppose you could say, well, you know, they've just done two seventy-five basis point hikes in a row. They've been walking the walk. But you know what he means. Yeah, I certainly do. And I will say, you know, over the past six weeks, uh, we did not jump on to this narrative that we may very well be at the forefront of an easing cycle. We um, fully expected uh, that the Fed would continue to fight inflation and and fight it with all of its might. Um, The thought of any Fed engineering um, to ease us out of this, uh, which it looked like Wall Street was starting to price in, was kind of mid to late next year already, um, seemed seemed a little bit short-sighted. You know, inflation as a phenomena is uh, generally pretty long-lived. and so, you know, we're kind of carrying this tune that we anticipate, um, you know, very much anticipated trickle through effect of both inflation and interest rates um, softening this economy going forward. So long lived. What are we talking here? Months? Years? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think that we have any real, um, you know, our best test case scenario uh, in our opinion, just in terms of kind of a a forward look at what we we anticipate the equity markets to be like over the next, call it two to eight quarters, um, is choppy and, and pretty flat overall. And that isn't to say there isn't pockets of opportunity inside of the equity markets, um, but we don't we do think it's going to take some time for the global economies truly to absorb all of the liquidity um, that was pumped in as a result of of COVID and some easing measures. Um, And then on on the second hand, we are also anticipating that Mother Nature is going to add some fuel to these inflationary pressures. And we just don't, we don't see a reversal of where the, the cost of living has gotten to in the short term. 
We were talking with the economist Bill Lee in the last hour, and he was saying that he, he felt, felt that companies would cut a lot of white-collar workers. Uh, and, and I asked him, are companies going to be nimble enough that they can cut those costs uh, without hurting uh, revenue? And, you know, yeah. it's, it's an open question. I mean, if you believe in the stock market, if you believe in companies, that might be one reason why you weren't selling aggressively today. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that is um, so a couple things. So, yes, I would I would agree that our expectation is that there are going to be white collar workers who unfortunately um, will become unemployed. Um, and that's for a, a multitude of reasons. We we also do believe that in a post covid era, uh, companies do have the balance sheet flexibility, the nimbleness, and some of the repricing and restructuring that's occurred as a result of COVID, um, you know, to, to weather um, those layoffs and, and, and be pretty profitable. And that's where I think we're still waiting to watch. And again, I'm going to continue to use this word nimbleness, um, you know, how they handle the inflationary pressures as they linger. And um, we don't have this reversal of inflation expectation in, in the short term. And, uh, Nicole, the Fed's are now uh, very committed to getting inflation under control. But um, one of the bright spots we've got is that strong jobs market. Uh, the consumer appears to be in reasonable health. But my question is, as prices continue to rise, uh, how resilient does the consumer look to you? And is this something that bothers you? Uh, the cons- the the consumer very much uh, bothers us. And it's, you know, what we talked about in, in the last segment, and and that's really this carry forward of um, to what to what extent and for what duration of time can both corporate balance sheets and then the balance sheets of the individuals um, kind of continue to fight this inflationary battle. And so when we think about the consumer and we start to see some of these leading uh, indicators like credit card debt, and we're, we're waiting to watch that growth rate, rate stabilize as its trajectory at the moment is a bit concerning. And then we start to watch markets like, um, let's just think about kind of the, the forward guidance and some of the earnings report commentary from Walmart, where you see high net worth um, and high income earners starting to change their behaviors, where it's if this is not going to stabilize, then I'm going to change some of my behaviors. And um, Bloomberg actually released a great piece. It was just, I think, maybe 10 days ago on, you know, this look at what you pay for uh, Dijon mustard at Whole Foods versus Walmart and how we're starting to see some of those behavioral shifts. And so that starts to concern us in terms of a profit recession. Okay, so let's talk about maybe another behavioral shift. Uh, value stocks mm-hmm. have outperformed growth this year. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, buying value stocks now, if you're possibly going into recession, seems a little mm-hmm. daunting. Uh, uh, I don't want to buy growth uh, companies that aren't earning any profit. But if I buy companies mm-hmm. like Apple, is that a happy medium? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually like kind of this convergence in companies like Oracle, um, looking both at, um, you know, a, a 
a company like Oracle that provides mission critical software and, and platforms where you are a bit less sensitive to the macroeconomic environment, but also has these pockets of enterprise adaptation um, of cloud and, and then also getting paid to wait. So receiving kind of a nice dividend along the way. Apple is another great company. It's just the relative price point to entry on Apple year to date versus Oracle you know, would make us, uh, you know, tend towards uh, the latter a bit more. Um, but then also, you know, in terms of um, energy, specifically energy in the U.S., we believe that there's been such an um, kind of an, an underinvestment in some pockets of energy here that we do think can pay off over the long term. And so there are there are these pockets available, these these entry point companies that still look of relative value to us. And we do believe on the backside of this, when when the Fed does inevitably eventually ease us to a neutral rate again, um, you know, this this moment in time is a great buying opportunity. One of the stories we're covering today is uh, how American firms' confidence in China has fallen to a record low. Just a little over yeah. half of respondents are optimistic. When you run your eye across the investing landscape in China, does it fall into the uh, be greedy when others are fearful category, or has it just got stay away painted all over it? Yeah, and that really comes down to the risk appetite of the individual investor. Personally, with a decades-long lifespan and investing horizon in front of me. I like the capitalistic agenda and this this pivoting mindset um, of, you know, in the Chinese markets. Um, and I do believe that in terms of seats at the, the head of the economic table globally, China very much is in kind of either a one or two chair position, depending on who you ask. And so I think investment outside of the U.S. does present a great relative value. It will just have a much uh, different, you know, day-to-day, year-to-year uh, movement. But at some point, um, the reversal to non-U.S. outperformance will come back, and in mm-hmm. this moment in time, will be a great opportunity. All right, Nicole Webb, senior vice president and financial advisor at Wealth Enhancement Group. Thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia today. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.